the opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Jeremy Hinks and Sticky Jazz Podcast and do not necessarily reflect those of anyone else on this planet. Greetings and good day, everybody. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm Jeremy Hinks, the man of a million musical opinions. All of mine happen to be correct. I'm coming out of a deep, dark central Germany right now for this episode, out of a little hiatus that I've been on. Uh, I came across this amazing band called Montejurk. It's uh, it's named after a hill in Spain. The uh, band consists of James Hackett from the Orchids and Ian Carmichael from One Dove. And they've got this sort of just really cool electronica vibe in there that just I just really like. And I'm a big fan of the uh, bands that these two came from. So uh, I'm going to kick this off with Never Be the Same. And uh, so let's all sit back and do the sticky jazz. So, good day, everybody. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm Jeremy Hanks, and this week I have Monjuk. It is, um, I have Ian Carmichael and James. They are spinoffs of two different bands here, only to make this fantastic project as of late. Uh, Ian was one of the uh, musical masterminds of the 90s trip hop band One Dove, and James is of the Glasgow, I guess you'd say Brit pop 
sounding act called uh, the Orchids and plenty of other stuff around that. So welcome to the show, fellas. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, thanks for having us. So this one took a while to line up. I had been following Ian on Facebook on the internet for some time, and I reached out to him, and it went to his spam. And I was like, look, man, I'd love to I'd love to interview you. I'd love to talk about your music. And he's like, oh, sorry, like four months later, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I remember sending him a message now that he responded like four months later. And uh, he told me about some of the new music you guys have been working on. And I got the one song, the, the Montjuic song that, that's out right now, the, the one that you've released. And uh, that's never be the same. And then uh, me being the greedy bastard, I kept asking for more. And Ian said, it's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. <laughs> and then he sent me the press release of the new song coming out in just a couple of days. Right. So I'm yeah. looking forward to hearing that. I hope to hear that before everybody else does, because I'm the greedy bastard. So if if you guys could make that happen, let me hear a copy. Let me hear sure. that we can send you a link, no problem. That would be great. So, um, all right. So I guess the the story goes. Uh, first of all, Ian, you what got you involved in 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 working with James uh, and the Orchids in the first place? Um, working with James and the Orchids actually it comes before One Dove because we started working together even before One Dove started. So wow. this has been a long time relationship we've had. Um, I think I produced six albums for the Orchids over the years. And um, we, we the, the six of us, the, the band and, and I, always had a great, fantastic working relationship. And I think it was something which, um, it, that, that kind of, Working relationship gave me a, a really good confidence boost to be able to uh, think. When I want to do my own music. Um, working with James in particular is is very um, rewarding, and always we have a great a great uh, communication. And I felt really really comfortable asking James to collaborate on these new songs. Um, and I I knew from years and years of experience that we had a really great working relationship. So it was just easy. It was a very easy and obvious choice. Okay. I mean, was it like... I don't um, know if that, that makes sense to you, James. Well, no, no, that makes sense, right? <laughs> Especially because of the pandemic. I mean, everybody... If there's one good thing happened because of the pandemic was that creativity was driving everybody crazy. And That's... that was what made so much good music. You know, I, I have one friend, she put out three albums over the entire time she was like yeah. i just i was going nuts i couldn't do anything you know so i think that the the, the the pandemic was the catalyst um because we I, the orchids and i were in the middle of recording the last album for the orchids and uh, when COVID hit it completely put a stop on everything because all the recording studios closed we were just about to go in and start recording all the uh, the acoustic instruments and the vocals, and of course, it all stopped. We were at the stage where we were all so excited and, and ready to, to record, and everything was halted. And I think it was that point where 
I was itchy to get going and do something creative. And that was the point where I thought, well, now's the time to do something on my own. And so that's when I said to James, what do you think? He said, yes. <laughs> so for, for James, like, cause I, I, I had never heard the orchids until just recently since, since Ian started sending me music to listen to. I love it. Absolutely fell in love with the work. Um, how was it moving into this this type of sound after the orchids were since 1985 right you guys have been in that band for a while yeah yeah we, we were school kids and uh thanks very much jeremy for saying that <laughs> yeah we were school kids and um, i wasn't calling you old i was not calling you old well, no, okay I, I know that's what ian's <laughs> laughing at but that's not what i was saying I, i'm sure you're not saying that really yeah no, it was uh, it was very easy for me to um, like uh, Ian was saying. Um, we'd been working on a, an orchid record, and I did a lot of writing for it. And you want to keep that sort of momentum going, and the the pandemic close just sort of stopped that. And when you're in flow like that, it's really really frustrating. So it was so easy to uh, just, when Ian suggested, just keep writing. And I just thought, yeah, that's what I'll do. And that's what we did. And it has been really incredibly easy. I couldn't express how easy it is. Well, the Orchids have got four other members. So it's four voices that I don't hear. I only get another voice now. So <laughs> it's a whole lot easier. Yeah. I'm really and so enjoyable. Fewer people to argue with yeah. over what you're going to do. Absolutely, yeah. Just to, even just to disagree with, or just get frustrated at someone else's apathy, which is quite, <laughs> quite, quite very annoying. Yeah. So, just be so. Ian sent me all this organ stuff, and I was like, okay, there's so much there. Okay, where do I start? And he's like, okay, start with the last record, right? And that that was. That was pretty much okay because I I I just come. I was like, look, there's like so many. It's just a big pile of and and everything is like Jay Hackett. I'm like, man, you are a madman with your songwriting. But I, I look now now. Let, let me say like the orchids were like. Um, uh I I remember when I first put it on, and I thought. This sounds like a, a lilac time meets the jazz butcher, right? You remember Stephen Duffy's? You remember Stephen Duffy, right? When he did that yeah, lilac yeah, yeah. time. Oh yeah, no, a very uh, been a, a big fan of lilac time through the years, definitely. I'm jazz butcher too, yeah. Yeah, I mean Pat Fish and uh, Stephen Duffy. I, that was just the the vibe of what fed into, and it was just wonderful it, it gave me a nostalgia for this time i was like i remember listening to stuff that sounded just like this it was so amazing back in the early 90s uh, i mean I, not I, mean, I loved stephen duffy right but then when the lilac time hit it was just like oh this is just great and you brought me back to those moments even though i wasn't listening to the orchids at the time it, it caught that lilac time spirit there is really cool. It's not a, nothing like Ian's other work in One Dove, by the way. I would not think, you know, but. <laughs> it, well, thanks very much again. Yeah, uh, and it, it, uh, it's a very, very lovely compliment. Yeah, uh, two people I admire very much. And yeah, it's uh, if it's got you back into that and you're enjoying listening to that type of 
music again and uh, uh, brilliant perfect well that was what the the current stuff sounded the, the the new record had that to it but it also sounded just you know very current and there was some fun tracks on that i was really i don't know like it like okay the song something's missing right um that one had the zeitgeist of about uh, 2008 for me and i just felt like this is the song that you'd listen to in the springtime after a really long winter and a shitty cold time and then you just like you're out in the drive and you just feel this okay yeah and i'm like i don't know what's missing but that's that would fill this gap i did i felt that that was it i just like it just took me to that moment like oh winter's over it's 2008 all the other shit going on just going for a good drive out there in the mountains that just brought that feeling to just a wonderful moment there for me so um winner on that one really just a, a great one piece there. thank you for that why is ian laughing about that what do you have any secret about that song that i don't know about or that you want to tell us no not, not at all it, it was i think one of the things which i think uh the orchids uh, recording that album there was a real sense of it being a kind of summer album um and the COVID hit and delayed everything, and we felt kind of um, all, all the timing was taken out of our hands. We just wanted the album out as soon as we could. But it's nice to hear you say it that that springtime feeling because you know that's that's the kind of thing that we were thinking about. It's it's, it's another yeah, thing. perfect. Oh, so so I, I I caught the aim of what you were trying to accomplish with that one. Okay, because like that sometimes yes, it's yeah, yeah. I, just, yeah. I don't know why. Two thousand and eight. Go ahead. What? Yeah, I was just saying. I don't know why it's so relevant to two thousand and eight for you, but you must have a really strong memory of two thousand and eight. But is it a real relevance for you? Yeah. It was one of the shittiest years of my life, actually. And so, but I remember that spring going, okay, the winter's over and I'm like, going to go out and breathe again and enjoy what's there, you know? And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And I caught that feeling in that oh, song. Good. Thank you. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. You weren't trying to catch 2008, but that, right. that was where it dropped me at that moment in my life. Well, if it made you feel that uh, like you'd opened the door to springtime, then mission accomplished. Oh, yeah, cool. All right. All right. Got that one. Um, so how is it working like for you now, Ian, how long have you been over in Spain, by the way? Uh, I've been here for, I think, six years. And and what made you decide to move to Spain? You, you Sorry, just couldn't put up with the, with the gloomy Glasgow winters or, or the gloomy Glasgow no sun? Because I, I, I never saw sun the entire time I was in Glasgow. Uh, it was actually... Yeah, well, it happens. <laughs> it was actually my husband who decided to move to Barcelona. And he oh, okay. moved first of all. And I stayed in Manchester, living in Manchester at the time. And I uh, thought that maybe we could just have a, a long-distance relationship for a while because I was coming here every weekend to see him. 
But after a okay. year, I thought, no, 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 I can't live like this. And I loved Barcelona. I always loved Barcelona. It was an easy choice. Okay. Well, I, my wife is back in America and I'm here in Germany. So I, I long distance marriage sucks, man. So I wow. can, I can understand why. Uh, it's difficult. It's so difficult. It is, it, it is, but, uh, and, and now, so you're there with your husband in Spain and I guess you do everything via the internet with, uh, the orchids at the moment, or do you, or do you go back over to Glasgow for time to time? Um, when we when we did finally get to record the album, we uh, rented a, a residential studio in the Highlands of Scotland, and uh, the six no seven of us eight of us, the band and some other musicians, uh, we all travelled to the Highlands of Scotland and we stayed in this wonderful studio. We stayed there for uh, eight days, and it was just fantastic. Oh, you're making me jealous. Yeah, I mean, it really was. <laughs> well, what were you saying, James? It had Go everything ahead. that had just the, the perfect space. Yeah, everything, all the perfect space, the the backdrop to everything we required, and uh, the sun was shining. It was not Glasgow. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We woke up every morning in the studio with a view of Ben Nevis and deer running around. It was truly wonderful. Yeah. Birds singing through the windows. Yeah. Uh, did, did, did the deer come and pay attention to it was you? Or, or what, what was... Uh... No, not much. <laughs> they, they gave us a fleeting glance and then <laughs> off they went. So where, where I live, the deer come walking into my yard and I have to go yell at them, get out of here, you jerks. You know, I'm, I'm always yelling that at, at the deer, you know, and uh, just get out, go away, you know, it's my wow. yard, don't eat my strawberries. So, really? Yeah, yeah. And in, in, in East Salt Lake, where I live, the deer just hang out. They're everywhere up there. Yeah. So, well, we're um, both city boys, so we don't really get to see those types of things very often. Yeah. All right. Well, so, um, yeah, Glasgow. I, I love Glasgow. I love all things Glasgow. I was devastated when I found out that the Jesus and Mary chain were from East Kilbride and not from Glasgow because, uh, the first time I saw them, the, the, the first time I saw them, their, uh, their, their, their sound guy was like, oh, yeah, we're from Glasgow. I'm like, all right, yeah, you know, with my, my love of Glasgow and everything. And then a buddy of mine, he's from East Kilbride, was like, no, no, they're, they're from East Kilbride. I'm like, no, no. They said they're from Glasgow. I was like, no, they're from East Kilbride. I went to high school with Linda, the, the, the little sister. I'm like, no, they're from, they're from East Kilbride. You know, I'm like, no, they're from Glasgow, you know. So only to explain that East Kilbride is just a few miles down the roadway, you know, but uh, – so, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it still shares the same postcode. Yeah, it still shares the same postcode. <laughs> so, um, uh, let's see. Uh, my favorite song on, on the, the, the new Orchids record, right? Okay. I loved the song, and I don't know why, but uh, this boy's a mess. Okay. For, okay, it's a great song. It's, it's a great okay. song. All right. But the lyric on there, the best line ever. It's all right. 
I don't need to tell the truth tonight. Okay, what was going on with that song? I mean, that lyric right there was just <laughs> perfect. <laughs> All right, you're on the spot. You're on the spot, James. You're on the spot. Let's hear it. Come on. That's not where I'm. Well, it's, it's a sort of confessional thing. Uh, I'm just uh, owning up to like not being perfect, being a bit of a mess, and I really don't have to tell everything correctly to admit that I'm a mess. Also, it's about Kinda yourself. like that. Is that it's well, about yourself. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually, if I was to put it into the banality of it, which is, like, but, uh, there's a part in it where you, you hear me singing about uh, waiting on the train. It was all about miscommunication and getting stranded somewhere, and it was my fault. <laughs> I need that one for my wife. Oh, my gosh. I just had that happen with my wife. She, she came over for Christmas with my daughters. And one thing didn't get communicated properly, and they ended up in the wrong side of Paris. It was, uh, and I, I'm here in Germany, and then like, oh, so that's no. okay. I'm gonna send that one to my wife. Okay, thank you, yeah, thank you, James. I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to take those lyrics apart and send it to the missus just to just to try. It. <laughs> I just look at Ian. The look on your face, Ian. You're like, oh no, that one like. Ian knows the backstory to all this. Apparently, no, 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 he's I, having a great time. Jeremy, Jeremy, seriously, this is the really nice thing about interviews because these are some of the questions I never asked when James is singing the song because I'm thinking about his intonation and his tuning and his power. And uh, then I don't ask about well, what was that lyric about. And it's so interesting for me to actually hear these stories. <laughs> It's interesting for me to do the same. It's totally interesting because I'm like I'm taking these lyrics apart. I love it. There's, you know, this is this is fun. I I dissect the lyrics and then whoa, wait, where's this? You know, so to hear you say, well, I screwed up and I just got to explain it that I, I'm not going to be perfect and I'm you know, brilliant. Thank you. You're so, welcome. Okay. Well, all right, so. So for me, like I said, like I, I've I've an affinity for Glasgow bands. Okay, I always have altered images, big country, you know, uh, the Jesus and Mary Chain, all that. But I I discovered One Dove when they got radio play in 1993 in the states, and it was just it blew my mind. It was some of the most amazing work, right? And that's where I became a fan of Ian. And I worship Dot. I I would I would I would bury I I would kneel at her feet just to kiss her feet. Okay, I love Dot. She's she's gonna hear this. She's like, what the what the you know? But um, I I wish that there was more that Ian. I, I wish that there were, there were, there was more that One Dove. I wish One Dove did a lot more as One Dove, right? But I loved hearing what you guys came into and, and what you Thank did. You. Obviously, you worked before One Dove, and so for Ian, it's just picking up and keeping on as as friends do with the band kind of thing. But uh, uh, there's such a difference in the sounds between that. Uh, do you want to talk about that for a minute, Ian? How, I mean, obviously, you're a magnificent synth player and a hell of a producer, you know. <laughs> um, I mean, like, okay, the song... Um, breakdown 
I I love that it's like this sci-fi space transcend reggae, transcendental sci-fi reggae, right? Yeah. And the lyrics to it are just oh, it's just so it's it's like your your enlightenment experience song, right? And the world needs more of that stuff. Talk about talk, talk a little okay. bit about there and the one dove and how that kind of process went. And then suddenly you're back in with the, you know, the, the Stephen Duffy and uh, Ian Brody sounding, you, you know, it was. It's, um, I guess it's really um, who you're working with. I think with one dove, um, both Jim, the bass player and I, um, were big reggae fans. And, and we always had reggae in, in, in the back of our heads. Um, we knew that reggae wasn't a, a genre that we would ever attempt, but those influences are always there. And I think um, stepping outside of that and working with the Orchids, with the Orchids I'm producing five different guys with five different influences, and I have to be true to their uh, intentions for the music. And so I think that's where the, the, the big separation lies between what one dub we're doing and the orchids, even though we were recording at the same time, I think um, we had just finished Morning Dove White when we were recording Striving for the Lazy Perfection. I think that, that was the overlapping. So um, I think what, um, what was more common between the orchids and the one and, and one dove is that we both wanted to be good pop bands. We wanted to do pop music. And I think that's that's evident from what we were doing, even though I think the styles are completely different. When you hear them, there's still that aim at the core of it to be a good pop band. And you did great as both. Okay, I, I, I wish that I had heard Orchids on the radio in America in 93 around the same time. I, I would have been listening to it this entire time, you know. Um, Orchids has a fine catalog, lots of great music to dig through. I, I've been enjoying it the last several weeks here. It's the, uh, you know, um, and, and dot solo work, but there's only that little cross section of one dub that I, you know, I, I the world could have done so much more. We, we could have enjoyed so much more of that. You <laughs> Thank know? you. Um, I agree. To you're a one dub fan too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think yeah. another record would have been needed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, hey, keep poke Ian about that. See what he can see if him and see if they can get that back together. I'd love that, man. You know. Yeah. So, that ain't shame. No, so, uh, it's it's no, never going to happen. It's never um, going to happen. No, and and I think it's the, the the end of one dove for me was was really uh, quite catastrophic. It really destroyed my my confidence in in mostly everything that I did. Um, it was a hor horrifying time for me, that end of the band, because we, I think we hated each other. The three of us just really hated each other. And, and part of that was the outside uh, music business impacting on us because we were dealing with so many assholes all the time. And it, it wasn't a nice thing to have to go through. And in fact, um, when I finished with One Dove and I moved to Manchester, um, I moved there with the sole intention of never, ever doing music ever again and never wanted to work with any musicians. How did that go for you? Um, <laughs> 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 I, 
I think I was in Manchester. I had moved to Manchester, and I think I was there for a week when my publisher called me and said, uh, there's a Manchester band who wants to work with you. And I said, no, no, no. And he called me three times and said, please, go meet these people. And it was Lamb. And I right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, Lamb, yeah. And um, from the first time I met them, and they said, you know, they wanted an engineer to help them record their album. The first time I spoke to them, I thought, these guys are beautiful. They're just... Andy and Lou from Lamb restored my faith in humanity, as well as my faith in musicians and the music business, because they were just so um, warm and beautiful humans. So they turned my life around in, in terms and, of... And, unlike, the, unlike all the other people in Manchester, like a certain vegan asshole that seems to alienate everybody. Oh, you know? <laughs> oh yes, I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> There was a meme up there that had him, Glenn Danzig, and Donald Trump, and Axl Rose. Yeah. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the biggest twat of them all, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. So that's an interesting story that, like, you were that broken at the end of One Dove because it was so beautiful and so powerful. I'm sorry that it was so tragic for you because really i still listen to it with just uh, an awe at what you guys had accomplished with that it was really good i'm i'm Thank sure james you. feels the same way it was beautiful stuff man it's yeah absolutely yeah and i was lucky enough because as ian was saying we shared this uh, the studio at times together so i could see it developing here as it was going along so yeah i was i felt like part of the journey so yep okay I mean, great connection with it because Dot's solo work is is amazing too. It really yeah. is wonderful, you know. Yeah. And uh, but I, Ian's obviously got the Midas touch. Man, anything he touches just turns out really good. I'm I'm like, well, thank you. So, um, I, I'm gonna ask you about a couple of lyrics here, okay? Uh, I, I believe this is with your song "God of Special Things." There, okay. okay. Uh, I'm gonna pick on you again, James. Uh, I'm, I'm loving this. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's no reason to believe that things will change in time, and I heard you say that you long to be her lover, and you will never learn to smile if you keep on wondering why. Okay, like. Who were you? Were like, I'm like, you were really like jabbing somebody on that, right? Why do you say it's good to be a stranger? Because you know who you'll never, because you know you'll never find. I mean, what 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 was going on with with that person? Because you're talking to somebody very particular here. What was going? I'm not asking who it was, but what was going on? But those are some pretty like, you know jab you in the eye lyrics there yeah it's just some someone uh, i knew and still know who was full of doubt and their own um their own self-being and their own self-esteem and being able to make uh, a kind of move to make themselves a bit better with talking to someone they admire very much and um after quite some time I try to cajole something and doing something and they're not doing it and you get a bit frustrated so that was my frustration coming out and just telling it 
how it should be quite harshly. If you don't do it, then it will uh, never happen again. Oh, so it's it's a now or never. You got to do this now or never kind of thing for the experience. Okay. Pretty much, yeah. Because if, if you know someone who's a very dear to you and you, you, you know their qualities and you know that they've got, you know, a lot of love to give and you see them denying themselves happiness, then it was basically uh, a cruel to be kind push. A poke in the eye, like you said. Wait, this yeah, is no, you were like, were you the reluctant queer guy who couldn't ask that guy out? What, what, what was that all about? Is, was it you? <laughs> no. It certainly wasn't me, no. I, I've been in a relationship for quite a long time, 28 years now. Okay, so, oh, wait, so wait, Ian, how, how long have you been married to your husband anyway? Um, we've been together 17 years, uh, but now I'm in a polyamorous relationship, so I have two husbands. Oh, wow. And the three of us have been together for uh, uh, almost three years. Wow. I I'm married to one woman, and damn it, she's kicked my ass. That that's more than enough. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> my hat's off to you, man. Jeez. Whoa. So for for me it, it was a big deal in in Utah where I where I live you know that uh, when same sex marriage was finally made legal yeah and I went uh, I was so excited and I, I gave my best friend away to her wife you know yes. and it was a big deal and what I absolutely love about this it was it was third what year was that um, it's been probably thirteen years now. 12, 13 years since it happened? 12 years? Okay. 2013. So we're 11 years. Okay. All the freaking out and all the horror and all the horrible things that everybody said was going to happen when same-sex marriage is made legal. They said all this yeah. horrible, bad stuff's going to happen and all this and the... No. Nothing happened. <laughs> Like, in yeah. fact, the end, it, it got, it's like, now we meet a gay couple, we see a gay couple and we're like, wow, they have a nice yard. I hope they, I, you know, like, that's it. Like, you know, it's... <laughs> I hope they recycled. Yeah. That's, it's like, it's like, wow, that's it. A gay couple moved in and now what? Well, they have a, they're going to have a nice yard and, 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 and nothing happened. And I loved that. That was so great for me you know what to experience to say just like look whatever you guys are afraid of it's all made up in your head man yeah, yeah. you know they're just normal boring people just like the rest of us they're gonna be you know they'll have the same problems as the rest of us just let them be you know but i guess spain's probably a bit more uh opening uh, open about it than they are in say utah or some other really religious place but yeah it's it's really very open here i mean it's not to say that um we still have the odd homophobic attack you know it, it has happened last year and we still read about it but uh, to walk around barcelona there are so many well not only gay men but um there's there's a big uh, kind of non-binary community here and there's there's lots of um love and acceptance of that here which is very heartwarming Oh, that's great to hear, man. 
So that really is. Um, again, I hope that the world can just give up on homophobia and move on to important shit. Like, you know, th th there's plenty of important shit out there to worry about. Not about two two men being married and happy, really. If they're happy, they great. Because, you know, how many straight marriages aren't kind of thing. So, um, yeah. all right. Okay. I think it's one so, of the things. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. What were you saying? Oh, it was, when, you were, when you were just talking about lyrics, and and, and then also again about this um, uh, Nikki sentence thing, it's it's something which I really uh, loved about the the new single that's coming out, Your Shame, uh, because when James James wrote the lyrics for this one on the melody, and when he sent it to me, it was so clear the message that he was talking about. Um, but I had it in my head all the time about making this video about um, not living a life in shame as a gay person or as a trans person. And then after I started to make the video, I asked James what the lyrics were about. <laughs> it was something different. But the message in his, his lyrics can be so uh, interpreted so many ways. And it's still a powerful, important lyric and a powerful message. And I love that about James's lyrics. It said here, it says, Ian, being you, described the song as a softly defiant, more of a fuck you than a pride song, um, which is a total Glaswegian thing to say, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. ah, fuck off, you know, it's. Um, I think it's because when I've been making, because I've been making this video for the song and I wanted it to be uh, a, 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 not, 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 a, not a pride video as to say, you know, we're proud and, and uh, we have pride. But to actually say we don't give a fuck, you know, we don't care who, who, what you're trying to do. You're not bringing your shame to us. We don't need it. And we're living lives like we recycle. We have a nice yard, you know. It, it doesn't matter. We, the, we have a. It's part of the video, for example, will show uh, someone teaching class, a dentist, someone doing tattooing, um, a student. It's normal everyday things. There's nothing outrageous in any of it. It's just normal people living their lives. And I think that was the message I wanted to get across. Well, okay, but there you are. How tall are you? You're a tall Scottish bodybuilder. I'm looking at you. You're a pretty no, no, stout I'm, bloke. I'm, I'm short. I'm, I'm oh. five foot six. Oh, because you're, you're like a pretty solid. I'm like, damn, he is a buff guy there, man. He's got quite the... Um, but I'm taller than you. Okay, I'm I'm like and five James ten. Is taller than me. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm here with my 18 inch arms, you know. But I don't know that I I would, I I don't know how I'd stack up to you because you're a pretty buff looking guy there, you know. So, um, so you you wrote those lyrics, James. Uh, talk about the lyrics for the for the new because I'm sitting here going, well, I've only heard the other songs like them, but uh, let's yeah go off about this. It's not a pride song, but a fuck you song. Let's hear it. Yeah. Um, it was inspired by a post that Ian uh, put up on, I think it was Facebook. And it was about uh, a child being made to feel uh, difficult, out of place. Um, and as if they were a problem when actually the problem wasn't theirs, it was the parents. And... Uh, it really struck a chord with me, really, just because uh, in Glasgow, and I'm sure it's the same worldwide, a lot of Western things, is when uh, parents or adults speak to children, they always say this thing, uh, here comes trouble. 
and I've always hated it. I hated it as a kid, and because I, I always took it too literal. I always thought, well, actually, I'm, I'm the least trouble you ever come across. I don't know why you're saying that. I know it was said with some sort of affection, as if you had, you know, a great and dynamic um, personality, but. I always thought that it wasn't good. So I used that in the lyric, but it's basically just to say that, you know, um, I'm not the problem or whoever's not the problem and I'm not your shame. Um, the problem is you and it's your shame. And that's really the gist of the lyrics. Wow. So now you're looking forward to this song now. Oh, I'm already <laughs> looking forward to the song. I mean, I, I loved all the work you guys have done together. And I'm like, hey, come on, Ian, can you give me that? No, it's not ready yet. Like, I, I, I am the greedy bastard. I will keep asking until I get. I want all this stuff. You guys said, what's your cutting room floor stuff? He's like, it's not ready. And again, I'm asking the producer. So, of course, he's not going to give me anything that he's, you know. But I asked. I'll leave you on the track okay. to you as soon as we're finished here, Jeremy. <laughs> you, 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 I, I hit you up several times for, hey, what do you got? Just recordings, stuff you don't want anybody else to hear. I want it, you know. Um, so, uh, I'm gonna scroll back up here. All right, so, um, never be the same. I guess that was filmed out in your neighborhood, right, Ian? Out in Spain, because it sure as hell doesn't look like Glasgow. It's, it was filmed. Uh, on a road trip in Cuba. Okay, somewhere warm and yeah. you know tropical. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not Glasgow. No, um, we no. went to uh, Cuba on holiday last year, and uh, we we had an eight-hour road trip, which we took by taxi. And <laughs> the the whole, <laughs> the whole video is me hanging out the back of the taxi window <laughs> with your phone. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Here, Matt. Ne next time you want to do it, I, I I got one of these for you. Okay, you know I can shoot in 4K with this thing. You know, so I was actually I went and I photographed OMD two nights ago here in Frankfurt. So, um, yeah, OMD. You know the Liverpool lads put on a hell of a show, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but uh, so what I loved about this was. Um, you weren't the typical Glasgow sounding, you know, even the orchids or whatever, right? Not like there's a, a Glasgow sound, but everyone immediately go, oh, big country, the whole, you know, Mary Chain, you know, like th those were the names that Glasgow had for a lot, for a lot of the time there. And if you weren't those guys, kind of you were overlooked, at least because they set so much in the 80s to make some really good music. But there was that was what a lot of the focus was on, and then you guys come up with these sounds, the orchids and the one dove, all that. And I, I love just going, come on, man, there's more to it than that. Like everyone's out listening to this Seattle shit and all the grunge. I'm like, what about the other bands from Seattle in 1992 and 93? I was going, there's yeah, other yeah. cool stuff in Seattle than that, you know. I think there was um, when when we started when one dove started, for example, um, I was. I had my own recording studio, so I was recording Glasgow bands, more Scottish bands, for years. And around the end of the 80s, there was a Glasgow sound uh, which was really heavily rock-oriented and, and kind of a kind of mid-Atlantic, uh, very American-sounding 
uh, rock, which was tedious. I mean, I found most of it really dull. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so when someone like the Orcas come into your studio and you think, oh God, here's another five piece rock band. And then they produce these beautiful melodies and this really gentle, loving music. For me, it was just a fresh, a breath of fresh air. And all of that was something which, when I started One Dove, I was so adamant I didn't want to have anything to do with that mid-Atlantic American rock sound. And also at the end of the 80s, there was um, Stott, Aiken, Waterman, who were dominating the charts. And I thought that formulaic um, pop, turned out pop, I don't want anything to do with that. So all of this stuff was, was what was prompting me to say, I want to make my own music and I want, to, I want it to be nothing like anything that you've seen or heard. So it's, um, I think uh, it was deliberately not Glasgow sound. Okay. But you also caught right on to that wonderful electronic vibe that that was ready to just... I mean, you guys got swept up in that. You told a massive attack, you know. And that would that would have been a dream show, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at... Okay, Orchids with the Lilac Time or the Lightning Seeds, yes. But yeah. also, you guys with massive attack would have been... Those would have been like two dream shows for me. Yeah. Well, and then and, Dot signed with Massive Attack. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. So it was filmed in Cuba. Good to know, not Spain. Um, and that one sounded like a very mature sort of a very gorgeous Sigur uh, Ross meets the Lightning Seeds. Just, I mean, like, I'm like, Ian, Ian, you just killed it on that one, okay? Your your production, the synth, all of that. I'm like, if this is the direction you, you're both deciding to, to go in, I'm in love with it, man. Okay? Right. Like, you. I think the fans are, I think the punters are going to go bonkers over this. I really loved that piece. Um, I mean, yeah, I, remember when, I remember when Ian Brody first hit the scene, people were like, that's so cool. But they didn't have any place to put him, right? You know, when Ian Brody, the lightning seeds, kind of feel the yeah. same way here. It's like this is really good. People are gonna like it. It's not gonna fit in any specific genre, but I hope it floats around and, and gets everybody's ear. Um, uh, let's see. Me too. Oh yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> you <do>. yeah, that's <laughs> it's not that you're not but loving these orchids, but this was a great kick. Go ahead, go ahead, Ian. I think one of the really nice things is the way that James and I work in that um, we we don't, when we're creating these things, uh, these songs, we, we, we're we not really precious about things. I mean, I, I know that James will send me a, a song and a melody and I'll rip out a lot of what he's done and say, let's try this. And he's never precious enough to say, no, I want my guitar part. Like working with a five piece band, there's lots of egos and lots of things you have to tiptoe around. And right, James right. and I don't have that that frisson. We we, we we gently worked in weave in with each other and it's such a an easy way of working. So when James will send me a song, I feel uh, I feel like a, a confidence that um, I can destroy it and put it all back together again and he'll tell me no it's shit or yeah I love it. 
and and it's it's such a, a great way of experimenting and there's no fragile egos involved here right like, exactly yeah. exactly unlike that one guy in manchester unlike that one guy in manchester who shall remain nameless who yes it's... yeah yeah <laughs> uh anything to say about that there james yeah, it's exactly right what Ian was saying. It's just um, like I was saying earlier too, but just the two of us, it's so simple, so easy and so productive um, because I don't think you'd, like you said, Ian, there's been that many ideas that have been rejected. They've all just really happened and, yeah. you know, nothing's been put to the side. They've all, everything's been economically <laughs> and well worked out and yeah, we're very happy with what we've uh, produced. Yeah. So yeah, definitely looking forward to everybody else hearing what we have. Oh, I, I'm like, once I get the second single, I'm be sharing this out with, so I, I have people on uh, that I work with here that I just keep sending them fun new music to listen to. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, I walk in the room and they all like bow to me, you know, like give us something more, Jeremy, you know. And so I'm going to slap some of this out there for him, too. I mean, the organs are fun, but I want this new stuff. I want everyone to, to really get hooked on the new work here. Right. Um, Thank you. Uh, so let, let, let me let me try and dissect some of the words here. OK, then and see. You. All right. I watched the sun go down and part of me screamed. I didn't know what's in store what to do it was a perfect day and i didn't want to stop right um that's kind of self-explanatory right like hey we're having a great time and everything but then i saw all of a sudden go this flip of uh i've been living in the dream so let me sleep i want to be that way for the rest of my life like what? Why are why are you holding on? Like, hey, all this is great stuff. Wow, it's turning. Whoa, no, I want to go back and stay in this dream, right? Um, Ian's like, oh yeah, I do want to know what this is about. Like, see how this <laughs> yeah, it's just like I said that the first bit's fairly self-explanatory, and then you, you you're realizing that you're having such a good time, such a good life. Something's clicked. It's just working so well, and then something has to change and it's usually like life gets the way work something comes in the way and you just want to go back into the bubble into that time that you had before when things just didn't change and but as the the finishing line goes everything must change everything must change yeah or let's see uh I think I think for me that song is um, the dichotomy of, of thinking that yes, everything changes, nothing ever stays the same, and yet sometimes we still really want to hold on to things and, and keep them the same because that's what we know and we love and it's our comfort zone, but you know it's going to change and it's hard to accept that sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Well, have, have you ever read the books? Have, you, is it, have either of you read the Dune books? No, 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 have, no. Oh, okay. Heathens, heathens. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it's the greatest science fiction ever written. The Dune books. Um, okay. One of the lines he said was, "Some people think that for a comfortable future, 
we must go back to a past where things were so ideal, a past that never existed. Yeah. Right. Yes. And that yeah. is yeah. the absolute truth yeah. right there. Yeah. 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 There, there is there's no such thing as the good old days. Yeah. You know, no, they might have been might have been really good and comfortable. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Nostalgia is good. You need to remember things. The things should be held in your memory, but you can never hold on to the comfort, the bubble that forever is just gonna change. Yeah. And so that was what this song was about. You you might have those great times and memories and they were wonderful but hey they're gone now right just you, th th this bubble ain't gonna work for you okay yeah yeah that's 55 year old and i've grown up already i'm 50 you know so <laughs> well that's what it was like it was like a dawning it was like a, a revelation oh no i'm a middle-aged man yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a middle-aged bald guy. You know, my beard's all gray now. You know, so. Um. So, okay. I'm, I'm really sorry, guys. Jeremy and uh, Ian, I need to go and and get people waiting for me. So, okay, Jeremy, so, thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. I'll just tie up with Ian here for a few minutes. Thank you. All the Please best, there, James. Yeah, really, you too. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Thanks. Cheers. Thank Bye -bye. you. So I see, I love talking to you guys like this. It's such an informal, just getting the, the chat, you know, I want like, just, I love getting the backstory of the songs and the experience. Yeah. And I, I just love the, just being able to do this. Cool. Uh, I just, I just love the, the, the experience here, but Again, thank you for responding when I reached out to you. I mean, I know you're like, it was months before you got back to me and I had actually forgotten, but, um, so, but I, I'm glad that it landed us here. Uh, I guess you would answer this, any plans to do live shows or whatever with the new project? So, so far you, you've got the two songs, you know, your shame and the same and all that, but what else have you, what else do you have in in the dock? I mean, I know, yeah, you're playing Glastonbury, you know, but I mean, what have you got? What plans have you got there? So, so there's, I think there's 14 songs on the album. Uh, uh, yeah, but it, and you know, I think apart from two of them, they're all dude. Share the love, man. Come on. <laughs> they're, they're all kind of at a at a kind of finished stage. So you know, there's still two that we need to finalize. Um, and I know asking the producer, you're a perfectionist. There's no way I'm getting this, but you know, yeah, hey. yeah, I was, I was, I was sent you some. Don't worry. Um, I think one of the the things that I, I know this question is coming up. I know the question is always going to be, um, how are you going to promote this? Are you going to be playing live? And it's something which fills me with absolute dread because one of the things about One Dove, the worst thing about One Dove, was me having to go on stage and play music. It terrified me every single time. I, I I don't feel like I'm a natural musician, and I'm I'm much better in the studio behind the desk. And so, when we had to go out live, I had to learn my my keyboard parts and practice them, and it it just terrified the shit out of me. I hated every second of it. And now I'm at this stage where I'm thinking, do I have to put myself through that again? And the answer is, um, 
I don't. I, I really don't think we're, we're probably going to play live. However, I've already been thinking if we do, it will be a really simple setup. I probably will do everything uh, programming beforehand and get it set up and, and be on stage with James. He's very happy to be on stage. He's going on tour with the Orchids right now. Um, and I think I would get some um, backing vocals in and some horn players. I think I have some French horn and flugelhorn. That's the kind of thing I think would be really a, a nice thing to, to work around. So I'm already planning a live set for this. And in the well, back it's going to take a lot of the stress off of you if you do yeah, it. Yeah, but I'm also yeah. thinking I'm never walking on the stage. <laughs> Well, there, there was the there was the one where you commented where the 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 TV the BBC said no you you got to have this backup vocalist on there and you got to sync and all that and you were like you could tell we were all just pissed off about that and yeah and you can see it in the video shocking yeah I could tell even Dot was annoyed um, yeah I mean like okay there there's uh. There are some bands that when they play, they got to do Top of the Pops and everyone has to mime and lip sync, you know, yeah. and they just really just take the piss out of it. Yeah. They're yeah. totally sticking it up the nose of the BBC, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. And some of them are, are actually really funny. Like yeah. they'll go and switch parts and all that. And, it's, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, or, yeah. and but that, that did look like you guys were like, what the hell is she doing here? Right. Like, what was the. And like. I don't know. I, I'm not going to ask any more about that. It, it, just it, was, it was just some ludicrous um, musicians' union rules that if someone is singing on a record, it has to be represented by uh, a person. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's ridiculous. And and you know, it, and you know, music evolves and, and rules have to evolve to change to, to to follow that. So the whole point of um, sampling, which had been around for a long time by then. Yeah. and people using sampled vocals, the fact that the Musicians' Union hadn't caught up with that to think, how does someone else mind to someone else's sample vocal? It's a ludicrous situation. Well, there was, uh, like, one one that I, I thought was really funny was um, Judas Priest got up there, and they did this in 1986, live at the BBC, and they were doing their song, United. And I know you didn't, I'm a big Halford fan. I love Judas Priest, right? You know, gay metal, yeah. You know, but um, uh, I you probably are you a Judas Priest fan? Come on, admit it. You like Judas Priest, right? No, I not a no, no, no. Sorry, no. But they were up there, and he looked bored, absolutely bored. And yeah. I'd seen lots of live Judas Priest video, and he was up there just. Uh, you know, battle maniacs. You know, and he's up there. He just looked like he he, he might as well have just been playing a card game. You know, and I realized, yeah. oh, they were miming. That's why he was just like he needed to be up there really performing. That was his thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, one of the other ones was the Pogues came over to the states to do um, the song Tuesday morning on a on a chat show there in in the states. David Letterman, and you had Spider Stacy there singing. Tuesday morning, and the rest of it was the house band, but they still introduced it as the Pogues singing, and it was just really? Spider Stacy. The rest was just the house band for the David Letterman show, and I mean they they wow. were fine, but union rules, yeah. right? Union rules yeah. that yeah, yeah, if you're performing on the show, you had to have the union, the band, all that, and they're just standing there going like, yeah. just the one guy from the Pogues up there singing, everybody else, you know, 
Yeah. And yeah. yeah, like you said, rules need to change. They need because yeah, it's absolutely. just it's just getting ridiculous about that, you know. So um Jeremy, but, I, uh, I hate to wrap this up, but I'm yeah, I, no, it's I, I have to I, go out I, later too. Uh and so I need to kind of think about moving. Okay. So um when are we looking at the full release of the record? I see that next week or the and on the twelfth is when we get the rest of the song, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. when do we, when does the when are we looking for the whole album? That's what I'm looking forward to the most. Um, so this is something that James and I are still talking about, and I think we're going to aim for one more single, uh, okay. maybe April or May, and then the album coming out shortly after that. That's what we're hoping for. Okay, so here is my final question: April or Go May on. for the rest? Of, okay, final question. I ask every queer artist this, and it's your turn. Um, because where I live in Utah, we have a very high amount of LGBTQ teen suicides. Yeah. So looking at you, an incredibly successful musician, you're happy in Spain, all that. But what would your message be to the young queer kid who's in the closet, who's afraid, who's vulnerable? What would you say to that young kid? Wow. I was that kid. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's something which there's a stigma attached to mental health and to suicide, which I think is hard to overcome. But I think the I, I, I will openly tell you that uh, there, there were times in my life where I suffered from depression and suicidal thoughts. Um, and most of it uh, when I was very, very young, 23, it uh, was all to do with about being gay and not being um, normal and it's very very hard to tell someone who's going through that hey it's going to be okay because no one believes that and when they're going through that in that situation no one believes it's going to be fine time heals you know whatever so it's hard to say to someone this is how you get through this um i think one of the the best things that, that or, or one of the 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 advantages of, of going through it in this period of time is that we have internet, we have social media, and it's much more easy to reach out to people there and find your tribe. Back when I was 23, I didn't have my tribe. I didn't know who they were. There was no one there to tell me, look, I'm a successful gay man. I have a husband. We're living life happily. That wasn't presented to me when I was 23. So. I think it's easier now for people to, to reach out. I think if I was to tell anyone going through those darkest moments right now is find your tribe, reach out. They're there, they're out there. You just have to reach out, they'll find you. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. I, I, I consider you a very successful gay man. I mean, Obviously, you know, big fan of your music, but I also appreciated that from you. Thank you very much. Um, all right. So, all right, everybody, this is Ian Carmichael and uh, the, the the new band. Say it again. What's it? How do you pronounce it? We're called Monjuk. Monjuk. Okay. So here we are with um, the Monjuk. And by the time this goes out, this is the new single called Your Shame. Yes. And... Uh, I, I, I hope to get plenty of listening to it before we put this episode live. So everybody else, 
again thank you so much ian and james who just took off uh thank you, thank you. all the best and uh, good luck with all that everybody else take care be good to each other and let music do awesome in your lives I'm not your shame.